Amen. You guys sound great this morning. Just to prove that uh, I still have my creative skills, I titled this message The Day After Christmas. And, uh, but I still had a dilemma when it came to writing it because it, it was really hard to switch gears because for the last two months, everything has been about Christmas. And so, like, what do you, what do you talk about on the day after Christmas? Like, I, I was, everything, like for two months in every staff meeting, all we're talking about is the Christmas calendar. We're talking about all the events that are coming up. We're t- planning the gingerbread bash. We're planning the student ministry party. We're talking about the, the angel tree, which seems like years ago that we did the angel tree. But just the beginning of this month, you know, we're talking about the angel tree at the Gister Center Stone and uh, planning out the, the impromptu pageant and planning out Christmas Eve services. And like even last week, last week was like one of the busiest weeks for Scott and I, for sure. It was so busy last week because we were trying to get everything ready for Christmas Eve services. And we were bringing in extra chairs and we were printing programs and we, we did communion for Christmas Eve. So we're trying to figure all that piece out. So like everything was just, everything's been focused on Christmas. And then, you know, we have all the stuff with family. So we, like, after Christmas Eve services, we got out of here just as quick as we could because our neighborhood has this big Christmas Eve party at the Hughes. So we went to, the, to their party. And then after that was over, we went home and opened presents with the family. And then, you know, you get up and do Santa Claus. And then we invite everybody to over to our house for breakfast on Christmas Day. And so at 10 a.m., we have this big, huge breakfast. We had like 30 people in the house. And then it's somewhere around, I don't know, 4 or 5 yesterday afternoon, about when it was getting dark, I was like, oh, we got church tomorrow. Uh, what, what are we going to talk about? Like it just, it, like it hits you like, oh, my goodness, we, gotta, we got services in the morning. And to be full confession here, I tried to cancel them. Uh, a couple of months ago, I, you know, said to our elders, I was like, you know, it's, People are going to be traveling, our staff, a lot of them are going to be out of town. Most of the band is going to be out of town. We're not going to have many volunteers. And I think people are just going to be tired after Christmas. I think it's, you know, it's right after Christmas, people are going to be tired. They're probably not going to show up. And, I, you know, I don't, a lot of people will treat Christmas Eve like their worship service for the weekend. And so, like, I had a list of, like, ten reasons of why we should not have services today. And I proposed that to the elders, and they said no. Um, they said, where, I mean, and the conversation was like, don't, don't we always have church on Sunday morning? I'm like, well, yeah, but like, have we ever canceled church services? Well, I mean, 2020, uh, we canceled like 15 of them. They said, no, 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 that was different. No, I mean, have we ever canceled church services for a holiday? Like, have we ever, like, 4th of July, Memorial, we always have it, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we do. They said, didn't we do it on Christmas Day one year? Like, tr- Sunday fell on December 25th, and we had services, and I was like, Yes, yes, we did. We, we told everybody to wear pajamas, and John Carnahan did. Um, nobody else did, but John did. Um, and, we, <laughs> and so it was like, yes, yes, yes. And they said, okay, well, well we're going to have services on the 26th. And uh, I'm glad they did. I mean, I'm glad they said. It's probably good for you to know that I don't always win, okay? I mean, that's good to know for you to know because I mean, we do have elders at this church, and they don't always do what I want to do. So sometimes I get outvoted. And I'm glad I did get outvoted because, uh, well, one, a lot of you showed up, and so it was a great worship service that we just had together. And two, 
there is something special about that idea of like, you know, hey, on Sunday, we worship God. That's just, that's what we do. It doesn't matter, you know, if it's a holiday. It doesn't matter if, you know, we had a busy day the day before. I mean, we just on Sunday, and when Sunday rolls around, we're going to worship God. It doesn't matter when that happens or, or what's going on around us. I mean, it's not like, and we just, we're going to make this a priority. And so I'm, I'm thankful for that. And uh, I'm glad you guys showed up this morning. And I'm glad you're joining online today to, to make this a priority. Because it is something I think that's important for us to do. But still, I have to think, like, well, what do we, what do we talk about? <clears throat> on, on the day after Christmas, what are you going to talk about? Because uh, it's been nonstop Christmas for two months. And all of us have been in this. Not just church staff, but all of us have been, you know, we've been shopping and and planning parties and having parties and planning family get-togethers and having family get-togethers. And some of your, our, ours are not done. I'm going to one as soon as this service is over. I'm going to a family get-together. So like, we just, it's been all focused on Christmas. But now that Christmas Day has come and gone, it's, it's like it's over. You know, and that's the interesting thing about the American practice of Christian, uh, Christmas. And it hasn't always been this way. But the American practice of Christmas is that it ends on Christmas Day. Like we build up to Christmas. We spend two months building up to Christmas. It used to start the, what, Friday, the day after Thanksgiving is when we used to start. And now it's the day after Halloween. And pretty soon it'll be the day after Easter. We'll just start throwing up the tree and just go. Go for it right there. But, but we spend months building up to Christmas. And then once the day gets here, it's over. I mean, in our mind, that Christmas is the last day of Christmas, if, they, if you understand what I'm saying there. Christmas is the last day of Christmas. Um, according to the Christian calendar, it's not that way. So we did Advent. You know, listen to this. So like Christmas, it, today is supposed to be the second day of Christmas. So yesterday was the beginning of Christmas. I don't want to scare you because now you're like, oh, we got to keep this going? What are you talking about? But listen, th- today's the, the second day of Christmas. And there's this 12-day celebration that happens with Christmas Day. So if you look at the Christian calendar, uh, Advent is the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. And it's this season of waiting. It's not like a celebration of the birth, although we mix in a lot of that in the way we practice Advent. But it's this season of waiting as we're preparing for the birth. And then it ends on Christmas Eve, and then Christmas Day is the first, first day of Christmas. And then that is a 12-day celebration that goes from Christmas Day to the Feast of the Epiphany on uh, January the 6th, which is traditionally what they think is the time between when Jesus was born and when the Magi appeared. They did not appear the night of the birth. I know that's disheartening to a lot of people. We just put it in the nativity play because it's just easier that nobody wants to wait 12 days for the wise men to show up. We'd rather just get it all done in one night. So um, it's really supposed to be a like a, a two-week celebration after Christmas starts. That's what, that's what the day after Christmas is about. We're, we're celebrating the birth. And if, if you think about it, the, it would kind of be nice to do it that way. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm probably not going to be able to change the culture on this, but years ago, I know that some of your families may have done this. Very few families do this now. But years ago, you know, families used to put up their trees and when? On Christmas Eve. And that was why. It was like you didn't start on, you know, two months out. You put up the tree on Christmas Eve because that was the beginning of the Christmas celebration. And then you would observe Christmas for that, that period after Christmas. And that, it, it, that would kind of be nice if you think about it. Like, it would be kind of nice if Christmas just started yesterday. And we're going to have this celebration time uh, for the next two weeks and that's it. But that's probably not going to change. That culture is not going to change there. Um, in our culture, it ends on Christmas Day. But... It, 
the reason I bring it up is I want us to think about, this is important, I want us to think about the fact that the story of Jesus doesn't end with Christmas. Like that's not, the, that's not where it ends, you know, it doesn't end with him still a baby and we sang Silent Night and had the candles and we had this really kind of peaceful moment and it felt really good and we leave and it's over. The story of Jesus continues and there's a lot that happens in that story that uh, we, we don't really focus on. We kind of stop right at Christmas. I mean, how many of us read past Luke chapter 2, verse 20? Luke chapter 2, verse 20 is, you know, Mary treasured all these things in her heart, and then the shepherds went back and told everybody, and it happened just like they said. We don't really read the rest of that stuff because we stop right at Christmas. We, we like the baby Jesus. And I, I, I know there's a Ricky Bobby reference here, and I'm, I'm trying my hardest not to make it because I make entirely too many of those. But we like the baby Jesus because the baby Jesus does not make a lot of demands on our lives. The baby Jesus does not force us to make a choice. Everybody loves the baby Jesus. That's why everybody as a culture celebrates Christmas. Christian or not, really. I mean, whether or if you're practicing Christian or not, everybody celebrates Christmas because the baby Jesus is not threatening. The baby Jesus does not make any demands on our lives or require anything of us. But he did grow up. And so what I wanted to do this morning in the time I've got is I wanted to talk about the day, the days, not the day. I don't know exactly what happened the day after the birth. But I want to talk about the days after the birth. And Luke records that story. It's in Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 21. I'm just going to use the screen, Parker. Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 21. This is where I want to start reading. And... Uh, this is, of course, you know, the, the, the previous verse is about Mary treasured all these things in her heart. And that's where we ended. Enzo ended that for us. You did a great job. He was like, why did he say my name? <laughs> what did I do? What did I do wrong? Nothing. You did nothing wrong. You were great. But you ended that for Christmas Eve. If you were in the first Christmas Eve service, he ended with Luke chapter 2, verse 20. Let's start reading in verse 21. It says, on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus. The name the angel had given him before he was conceived. And when the time for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So this would have been about 40 days after the birth, and uh, they're acting in accordance with Jewish custom, which would have required the mother to, to bring the child to the temple where the mother and child would be purified. This is, uh, well, there it is, right there, what I just described. Uh, let's skip the parentheses part and just say, and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of two doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. Now, I always thought Simeon was the priest. I don't know if he is or not, I just, all it gives us is this indication. He was just a righteous man in Jerusalem, and he's waiting for the consolation of Israel, meaning he's waiting for what Isaiah prophesied about, that what we read at Christmas as well. He's waiting for this Messiah to come. And it says the Holy Spirit was on him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, 
For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. If you got an, an NIV or some translations, they'll indent that because it's, it's considered a hymn. I don't know that Simeon sung it, but there's four hymns in Luke's telling of the birth story. And the most well-known is the Magnificent, the, the Mary song. And that's in chapter 1. And Zechariah has a song. And then the angel song, which actually that one may be well, more well-known than Mary's, you know, the glory to God in the highest. And then Simeon's song that we don't really pay a lot of attention to. But that's, that was it right there. And in this Simeon song, he is revealing the truth of Jesus, that Jesus is the promised Messiah, and Jesus brings salvation to the entire world, both Jews and Gentiles. For the Jewish audience, this would have been news because they were, the Messiah was going to redeem Israel, not the world. And, of course, the church will have some big fights about that later in the book of Acts. But uh, it's at the very outset of Jesus, at his birth, they reveal that Jesus is for both Jews and Gentiles. And then uh, Luke continues the story because that's not all Simeon says. Verse 33, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the, rising, the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now that's the, the prophecy that caught my attention, because that's not the sweet little Christmas story we're used to. I mean, of all the pro- we love all these prophecies of Jesus around Christmas time, and we like to read all these prophecies of Jesus, but Simeon's prophecy is a little bit different, because Simeon says... This young man, this, this child, is going to cause some conflict, is going to ch- cause some heartache, is going to cause some struggle. He will be the cause of the rising and falling of many in Israel. And he, he foretells a thing to Mary. And, of course, we know that Mary's heart will be broken at the cross. So that's kind of that foretelling of what's going to happen with a sword will pierce your soul too. But um, he tells of struggle. This baby is going to grow up and people are going to have to deal with him. And they're going to have to deal with the things that he says about himself and the things that he says about the condition of their heart. If you look at the way the message puts it, I put that version in there. The same prophecy out of the message. Go to that one for me, Parker. Or did I not put it in there? Because I put it in right before services. (laughs) No, I didn't put it in there. I'm sorry. That was my fault. I'm looking to see. Nope, I didn't put it in there. Go read the message. I don't have it with me. I don't have my phone with me, and this is not the message. So go read the message. And it, it's, it talks about the fact that people have to deal with Jesus in their heart. Like that, that's, they're going to have to deal with Jesus because this child is going to grow up, and they're going to have to deal with Jesus. And that's what Simeon is talking about. He's foretelling the fact or the truth that Jesus requires a choice. We're going to have to. It's not just that. This, this sweet little baby stays a sweet little baby. He's going to grow up, and people are going to have to ask themselves, what am I going to do with him? Am I going to follow him as my Lord and Savior, or am I going to write him off as just a, a crazy guy, a lunatic that's claiming to be divine, you know, this, this Messiah that kind of goes off the rails? What am I going to do with him? Because you have to make a choice. Am I going to, to be a disciple of Jesus, or am I going to shout crucify him? 
If you follow the story of Jesus through the Gospels, people did have to make a choice. Early in his ministry, these large crowds followed Jesus because he's healing people and he's performing miracles. And so large crowds are following Jesus. But as his teaching intensifies, as he begins to teach hard things, the crowds stop following him. And there's a small handful at the end that are still following Jesus because people had to decide, am I going to, is, this, is he truly Lord or is he a lunatic? And that's what Jesus is kind of forcing that choice throughout his ministry. Jesus says in, in Luke, if, or I think he says it's in Mark, if anyone would follow after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and then follow me. Now, that one, throw that one up I did have up there, Parker. Luke 14, look at this. Just, just a few chapters later after this birth story, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them. Here's one example I'm talking about. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. I mean, Jesus said some, some really hard things. And I mean, I think he's using a little bit of hyperbole there. But I don't know. I'm kind of hesitant to even call it hyperbole. I mean, he's, he's, he's saying some very difficult things to say. There is a cost to following me, and you're going to have to choose. And I think that's what Simeon is foretelling a little bit of in his prophecy to Mary. That there's a cost to following Jesus, and people are going to have to decide. Um, they're going to have to decide if we believe what Jesus teaches about himself, if we believe what the kingdom of God is about, if we believe that he truly is the son of God, if we believe that he is the Messiah and that he, that he has power over life and death. Because all these things Jesus claims about himself, he claims to, to, that, you know, he claims to be the son of God, and we have to decide if we believe that he is the son of God or not. It's not an option for us just to say, well, I like Jesus, but I don't really think he's the son of God. I just don't like, you know, I like him. He's a great, I mean, look, he's a great guy in history, and he was a great teacher, and he was a great prophet and all those things, but he couldn't really be the son of God because, you know, that, that's just not an option. And you guys have heard me many times before. One of my favorite quotes from C.S. Lewis, and a lot, some people have twisted this into a, I think it was, I can't remember who did it, but liar, lunatic, Lord is the, but... C.S. Lewis talks about this in Mere Christianity, and he talks about the fact that a lot of people want to admire Jesus and respect Jesus as a teacher, but they don't really want him to be the Lord of their lives. And C.S. writes, a man who is merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. So you must make a choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else he was a madman, or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense that he can, of his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us, and he did not intend to. Now, I've, I've used that many times. I've, at least a half dozen times you've heard me reference that quote in sermons. And as I was looking it up this week, preparing for this message, I ran across another essay that C.S. Lewis wrote two years before Mere Christianity was published. And he references the same argument, but he says something in there that, of course, I had Simeon's prophecy in my mind, you know, that this rising and falling of many in Israel, and I was looking at this stuff from, from Lewis. I want to read just a, a little bit of what he says there. And he's again talking about the fact that Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. And he says, in my opinion, the only person who can say that sort of thing is either God or a complete lunatic suffering from that form of delusion which undermines the whole mind of man. 
So he said, that's, you know, if you claim to be the son of God, you're either, you, you either have to be God or, or you're a lunatic. Um, and he says, we may note in passing, now this is, what I, this is what I thought was interesting. We may note in passing that Jesus was never regarded as a mere moral teacher. He did not produce that sort of effect on any of the people who actually met him. He mainly produced three effects, hatred, terror, and adoration. There was no trace of people expressing mild approval. And I instantly thought of Simeon's prophecy. Like, because if you think about just a little bit, when you read through the Gospels, that is true. People ultimately had to make a choice. And Jesus either produced a react. There wasn't a lot of folks in the Gospels that were like, well, I like that rabbi. He's, I mean, he's a great rabbi. I don't really... He's not the Lord. He's not the Messiah. But, I mean, he's a great rabbi. He's a good guy. You don't really see a lot of mild approval. They were either disciples of his or they were enemies of his. They were either following him or they were out to kill him. They were either following him or they were out to stop him, to refute his teaching, to catch him in a trap or whatever. You see that dichotomy happening in the Gospels. But yet, in, in our modern culture, mild approval is exactly what we do with Jesus. Like culturally, we all, I mean, our entire culture accepts Christmas as this celebration of Jesus, and it's just mild approval. You know, we, we, we're perfectly fine with Jesus in that, in that vein. Like, we, we love, no, I'd never run into somebody who says, oh, I can't stand Jesus. That's a, he's terrible. Whether they follow him or not, there's people, everybody loves Jesus. But he doesn't really give us that option. Like, we have to decide if, if, what he's saying is true, and I want to follow him, or what he's saying is not true, and I don't want to follow him. Like, that, that's the choice. And that's what I was thinking with Simeon's prophecy. Like, the, what happens the day after Christmas? Or, more accurately, what happens the days after Christmas? Well, the days after Christmas, the entire world, everybody that comes in contact with the truth of what Jesus teaches in the Gospels, from now until the second coming, the entire world has to decide, what do I do with him? Do I, want, do I follow him or not follow him? Is he truly Lord or is he not Lord? Like, what do I do with Jesus? And um, that's what I want to encourage you to think about this, this week. As we go into this, this is kind of a, a weird week that we go into because this week in between Christmas and New Year's, a lot of people are off work. A lot of things are not happening at as fast a pace as normal. There's not many activities and events happening at that time. And it's a time of reflection where we think about the next year. And I know I'm talking to believers uh, right now, but I'm going to take that back. There may be some folks that are not believers in this room that you may have, somebody just brought you here and you said, all right, let's go hear what they have to say. But let's think about, let's take this last week and think about what are we going to do with Jesus in 2022? Like what will we do with him and our decision? Will we make the choice to follow him? in this next year or will we make the choice to just kind of mild approval he's just kind of there and we don't it doesn't really make any demands on our lives he's not really threatening to us he's not really like we like him but he's not asking we don't we're not going to rearrange our whole schedule for him and we're not going to rearrange all our behaviors for him we're not going to rearrange all our thoughts for him i mean it's just let's let's ask what are we willing to do with jesus uh, moving into this next year keeping simeon's prophecy in mind that he will cause the rising and falling of many in America. We'll just we'll, we'll kind of put that into our context, the country we live in. That Jesus will cause the rising and falling of many. So what will we do with him? Let me pray for us and uh, 
I got just one more thing, and we'll be dismissed. So let me pray. Father, I always enjoy reflecting on uh, parts of your scripture that that don't don't always make the the Christmas play, the parts we don't read about uh, in there. And this prophecy of Simeon, I'm thankful that... um, that you recorded that, that you had inspired Luke to record that and to keep that as part of the narrative so that we can read about uh, this thing that Simeon tells of. And I'm thankful for the encouraging parts of that prophecy, that your son is the Messiah. He was the one promised long ago. He is the salvation for the nations, for both Jews and Gentiles. I'm also thankful for the cautionary part of that uh, prophecy, that where Simeon is foretelling that Jesus will, will cause us to make a choice. And Father, I pray for, uh, for us as, that have followed Jesus for a long time. We continually have to make that choice. It's a daily decision to take up our cross and follow him. I also pray for those who are maybe wrestling with that choice. Or loved ones of people in this room or people online that are wrestling with that choice about whether or not they really want to follow Jesus or not. And I pray that you help them to... Uh, Kind of come to terms with that. If Jesus is who he says he is, then you got no option but to follow him. And that's, that's, the, that's what we have to come to terms with. And so um, I pray you help folks as they work through those things and uh, kind of work out their own salvation, if you will, with fear and trembling. That's what your Bible talks about. So, Father, I, I pray for those folks and, and pray for all of us as we prepare to go into this, uh, this new year into 2022. Just, just go with us and bless us and guide us. And uh, it's in the name of your son, Jesus, I pray these things. Amen. All right. Let me, the last thing I needed to do, well, I need to mention our offering. Um, I was supposed to mention it on Christmas Eve, and I didn't. And I remembered it about midway through the service, and I thought, mm, I'm just not going to do it. Uh, so it's Christmas Eve, not going to do it, not going to talk about it. And so we didn't, but I need to mention it today. Um, so as you leave today, there are uh, boxes that you can, if you're given a check or cash, you can drop it in those secure boxes. Or if you're given online or electronically, if you're online, uh, all that information is right there. And this is just a regular contribution. If you want to give to year in giving, you can mark that. So if you've got, you're like, I wanted this to go to year in giving, you can mark that, and uh, we'll make sure that that goes to year in giving. And I'd planned to tell you the number today, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I gave you, if you read my email, you know we met the goal. You know we're going to get out of debt next year. Like, before the end of the year, we're going to, yeah, we can, we can applaud that. Um, the goal was 100000 Uh The reason I don't want to tell you the number is because we're going to completely blow past it. Uh, the, I mean, we're not just going to get out of debt. We're going to... I'm going to have to have them meet with the elders and go, okay, what are we going to do? You know, how, what, what are we going to do with this generosity of God's people? How are we going to, how are we going to utilize this? Because um, people have continued to give. Like last Sunday, we were about 60000 was given. It's like, that's okay if we don't meet it. That's okay. We'll be fine. We'll, we'll just extend it a little longer. People have continued to give. So I'm, I'm not going to give you the number till, till next Sunday when we're, the, the year end is over. And uh, you can kind of hear where we're at. But uh, it's... It's incredibly humbling to see what God is doing uh, through this church and through, through you guys. So I'll, I'll share that uh, next Sunday. Next Sunday, I will be here, but I'm not preaching. Uh, you get to hear Ebony next Sunday. She's going to be talking about the Lord's Prayer and talking about prayer in general. And so uh, I'm looking forward to hearing what she has to say. And then 
We're not starting a series until the third week of January, I believe. So I've got some kind of some miscellaneous messages that I'll be doing. Some stuff I've been thinking about. I just hadn't had time to preach it because it didn't fit in a series. So I'm going to talk about it the first couple of Sundays in January. Um, that's all I got. I uh, hope you have a great rest of the day. hope you have a great rest of 2021. And I'll see you next year in 2022. Thanks for being here.